0: that tonight say that with all joy i'm no longer a slave to fear my god he took away the fear he took away the condemnation when you said yes to jesus christ and the enemy loves as i said this morning to do nothing more but taunt and to make you think that you're not going to make it but he said that we're going to make it amen because he said he would never leave us nor forsake us and now you need to declare that each and every single day When the enemy comes against you, when the trials of life come, when the storms of life come, declare, devil, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am an heir of righteousness. And let me tell you, there's nothing any greater that you can say today than to be able to say that I am a child of God. Amen. And let me tell you something. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence that is here within the house tonight. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have removed all the fear. We thank you, Lord, that we can now say that we are a child of God. And we know, Lord, that it was only because of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. We know that it is only because of the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago, Lord, that now we can be grafted into the family, that now we can say, Abba, Father, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. There's nothing like anointing music, amen, anointing praise and worship. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Galatians again, as we are continuing our series on uh, the book of Galatians on Sunday nights. And uh, if you're there joining with us just by the way of internet, just here in the last little bit, uh, we thank you for joining in with us and we thank you for uh, tuning in with us this morning. So thankful for what the Lord did this morning uh, in the service, thankful for what the Lord did in the hearts and lives uh, of his people. And I want to encourage you, if you wasn't here this morning or you didn't get to tune in this morning, I encourage you, go back and watch the message this morning. Uh, as I know that it will be a blessing to you, not because of the fact that it was me who was proclaiming it, but because it's God's word. Amen. And his word is a comfort, and his word is a help to us on our walk and journey with him. Amen. And so if you're just tuning in or if you're here, feel free and please share the word um, and share this uh, service tonight so that it can continue to go forth but again just so thankful for what the lord did uh thankful to see the new faces that we've seen this morning that was here and we're just going to continue to believe that he's going to bring them in from the north the south and the east and the west amen so galatians chapter two if you're there say amen amen, amen. we're just going to be reading two verses of scripture as uh, there's a lot within these two verses and i don't want to rush this whatsoever And we just need to take our time uh, so that we understand exactly what paul here Is letting us know. So starting with verse 15, the Bible was saying, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. And of course, this is piggybacking off of verse 14. So let me just back up to verse 14 and say, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Verse 15 we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And again, we want to continue to uh, uh, expound upon what Paul was speaking to Peter last week, uh, and the defending of the gospel. So we want to preach a message entitled tonight, Faith Versus Work. And we want to break this down. Faith versus work is what true faith is and what is required by God to be justified and how works plays no part in it, and exactly what works does do and what faith in Christ does. Amen. So let's bow our heads in prayer and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight uh, for what you are doing in this house. We thank you for your presence and your spirit. That is here, Lord. God, We there's nothing any greater, Lord, to be able to come together, Lord, with like-minded believers to worship and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And again, Lord, we know that your presence is here. We know that your spirit is here. And Lord, we thank you for the service this morning. But God, tonight, we know that you have new and a for us. And I would ask, God, that you would anoint us, Lord, one more time to deliver your word, Lord. Anoint our lips to speak, Lord, only what you would have to be spoken. Lord, that you would help us to rightly divide your word that God tonight Lord that there would be a manifestation of your spirit in the hearts of your people God that Lord for this moment we would set aside everything that may be going on tomorrow all of the stuff that we're going to have to face but for this moment Lord let us give our attention and our hearts to you Lord and hear what you would have us to hear Lord because we know your word will encourage us and lift us up tonight and Lord will forever give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name and everyone said amen and amen so last week in case you weren't here just to refresh you, we preached the message on defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remembering, looking back at verse 11 through 14, we see that Peter is recounting uh, an episode, if you will, at the city of Antioch uh, that transpired between him and Peter. And of course, we see where Peter, who uh, was doing the right thing, but because he's seen the religious council coming from Jerusalem, all of a sudden says, oops, I'm out of here, because he thought more... Uh, about what they would think than taking a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, of course, we see that Paul confronted Peter before them all because he realized that what Peter was doing and what his actions were doing was literally compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ if he wasn't stopped in what he was doing and there wasn't correction brought forth, that it could lead to souls not being saved. Amen? And as we said last week, there's nothing any more greater, there's there's nothing that holds more value than the soul of a man. Amen? Because of the fact that... We, as individuals, are going to spend eternity one of two places, amen? And we have to realize and understand that it's not by anything that we do, but it's all because of what He's done. But I find it interesting that we accept this message for salvation and that we believe that we're justified by our faith, but yet as we continue on our journey with the Lord, it seems that we shift from living by faith and start living for the Lord by works. And we somehow think that we have to, and I'm not trying to get it, myself but maintain what God has given to us by works that seems to be the notion and we all sometimes want to jump back into and it may come from good intentions but again correction had to be brought you're not justified by the law you're not justified by anything that you do you're only justified by faith And faith along with so Paul here is bringing this out here in these first two verses. Okay, so again we discussed it last week. We we discussed where Paul had addressed Peter in front of everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean Uh, everyone—the religious council there, uh, everybody that was listening. And I'm sure it did not do Paul's heart real good to have to call Peter out, if you will. But again, he thought more of the gospel of Jesus Christ than he thought of somebody's feelings. He had... a great respect for peter because again the lord used him to bring this message to the jews but peter knew better because again if you read acts chapter 10 we'll see where peter was given that vision hey go to cornelius's house and he said don't call unclean or uncommon what i've cleaned and what i've and what i've cleaned up amen and we know that he goes and and preaches the gospel of jesus christ to these italians and i would rather venture to say within five or ten minutes they got saved and baptized and the holy spirit with the evidence was speaking with them other tongues before he could ever get through the message and they just had a little holy ghost revival right there amen because there was a hunger within the hearts and so peter realized hey this gospel is not just for the jews it's for the gentiles as well amen but martin luther who we all know, and if you don't know, he nailed uh, the 95-point theses on the wall of a church in Germany all the way back in 1517, as we know as the Great Reformation. And he went on to make a comment, and as I was studying for this, i seen this comment, and it really struck with me. But he said, if the doctrine of justification is lost, the whole of Christian doctrine is lost. If we lose the doctrine of justification... We simply lose everything. Do you hear me tonight? If we lose the doctrine of justification, if we lose the fact that it is by faith and grace that we are saved, and it is by faith and grace that we stay saved, if we get away from that, then we have lost everything. Because again, and we need to be reminded that everything hinges upon what Christ did at Calvary. Amen? You can't have the healer without first having the Savior. You can't have the miracle worker without first having the Savior. Amen? He's Savior. And so again, we know that Christ came and and did what no other man can do and and took back everything that was lost in the fall. And this great thesis that he nailed up to the doors of the church, this 95-point thesis, he come to the conclusion that the just shall live by faith. Now who is he talking about when he said the just shall live by faith? And we know that it's within the Bible. That means those that have accepted Jesus Christ, those that have been justified, those that have been blood washed, those that have received forgiveness, those that have received redemption. It's us here tonight that know Jesus Christ by name. And the Bible says that we shall live by faith. We don't live by feelings. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you go by feelings, there's going to be days that you don't necessarily feel saved. And there's going to be days to where you see your performance comes way short for what God desires. But thanks be to God, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Because it's not based off of what you and I do or don't do. It's all based off upon his performance of what he did 2,000 years ago. Do we realize that when we were baptized into Christ, we literally ran into Christ and there we are hidden within Him. And that's what God sees tonight. He sees the blood of His Son Jesus Christ which now makes you habitable. Do we realize that? You're habitable because you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else can cleanse you. Good works cannot cleanse you. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of the blood, now the Holy Spirit can take up residence within your heart and life that now leads, that now guides, that now comforts, that now counsels, that now convicts, that walks with us through the lowest valleys, that's there with us on top of the mountains. The one that said he would never leave us nor forsake us amen so again it is believed that these two verses here paul was speaking again to peter colossians two thirteen through 15 says and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses do we get this tonight he is forgiving you of all your trespasses well, you don't know what I did. I, I committed up to thousands and millions of sins. He forgave you all of them. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. By your faith anchored in what he done. He came in and quickened you and forgave you, not of some, not of 80%, not in 95%, but He forgave you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. Does that not excite us tonight? He forgave you. You were on your way to hell. You were on your way to destruction. There was no hope for you except the man Christ Jesus. But he came passing by your way. He called you by your name. He said, come on to me. I've got a better life. I'm a chain breaker. If you got pain, I can take your pain away. If you got chains, I can break your chains. If you need saving, come to me. And I can do it, amen? That's who we're talking about tonight, the chain breaker, the one that broke the chains of sin off of your life, the one who broke the chains of sin off of my life, so that now I can live for him, so that now I can lift up holy hands and praise his name, amen? amen. But we see you blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross but it gets so much better Paul then goes on to say and so it was wonderful enough that he forgave us of all of our sins it's wonderful enough that he took them all out of the way and where did he nail them he nailed them at the cross where every sin was atoned for but and he spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them and if you look up the word spoiled in the Greek it is literally meaning he went back to Satan's house and everything that was lost in the fall in the garden of eden he went back and took it all back satan had a legal right because of the fall of adam sin entered into the world but jesus christ the last adam did what no other man can do and went back and spoiled satan's house and said i'm taking back the joy i'm taking back deliverance i'm taking back healing i'm taking back salvation I'm taking it all aback, and what Satan wasn't counting on was that Jesus Christ was going to pay the sin debt of mankind. So he says, Satan, you thought you had it in a bag, but guess what? You lose and I win. You lose, Satan, and I win. And we can look at Satan and I and say, You've lost, Satan. It ain't that you're going to lose. You've already lost, and I'm a winner in Christ Jesus. Amen. So again, Paul brings out the fact that all the privileges of the Jew, and by privileges we mean having the law and knowing the true way to salvation, which the Gentiles did not, they knew that there was no justification whatsoever in the law, so therefore it sent them to Christ. You see, they knew this. They knew the law was just to serve in its, uh, in its entirety and in its function. And it did what it was supposed to do. And what it was supposed to do was to reveal sin and show us that we were sinners. It never meant for us to keep because there's no power in the law whatsoever. But yet it revealed to us who we really are, and in return what we were supposed to do was throw ourselves down. They were supposed to throw themselves down at the feet of Jesus and beg and cry for mercy, amen? It's just like the publican and the Pharisee. Jesus presents a story there and says the publican goes, bows his head, Lord be merciful unto me a sinner. The Pharisee looked over there and said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like him, that I didn't do this, that I didn't do that. And we know that Jesus Christ said, who went away justified? The one who didn't try to tell of his works and all of his good deeds it was the one who said lord i'm a sinner be merciful unto me and that's what jesus christ is looking for people that will cry out to him that realizes they've got nothing that they're not nothing and that their only hope is in jesus christ that's what he's looking for and let me tell you when he sees that he comes right on in he saves the soul from sin that's what he does we know that Genesis 15, 6, if you go back and read it, we see where justification by faith came into the Old Testament. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He didn't do any works. And if you study the Bible, you'll see Abraham and this episode that happened where he was imputed righteousness came way before the law was ever given. So I know that the law has nothing to do with our justification, because if it did then what does that do about Abraham? Abraham was justified because he believed God. had nothing to do with the law whatsoever. You see, the sin, though, that Peter was committing and that, again, we've all have been guilty of committing and can easily slip back into is that we turn back to the law, which is to be abandoned. You see, the law was preparatory, it was transitional, and it did what it was supposed to do because it showed us our weakness, it showed us our sin and that we were lawbreakers. So, so many times after saying yes to Jesus and receiving his grace, what we do is we will resurrect laws, if you will, for us to keep, and thinking that if we oblige by them, if we will do them, that we will be gaining ground with God. And when I'm talking about the law, I'm not even talking about the Ten Commandments, and I'm not talking even about the ceremonial laws. It's these little man made laws that we try to resurrect, these little pitiful laws that we try to resurrect up and think that if I do these things, God will have favor upon me. Hear me tonight, His favor that is upon you, is has got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with your performance. The favor that is upon you tonight is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The great chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, we see the blessing chapter, the blessings, He said, I will change down they'll be they'll run you over it's not because you're all of that in a bag of chips it's because he's all of that man it's because of what he did at calvary and because you're in him that's what he sees you're his son tonight you're his daughter tonight you've been adopted into the family of god do you realize that you were an orphan that nobody wanted you were thrown out there and your father was the devil but jesus Christ saved you and he adopted you and made you an heir of righteousness and now calls you child of mine. Amen? Again, even to the point, even to the point, we find that we have to do certain things so that we can maintain our salvation. But the last time that I checked, when you receive a free gift, all you have to do is hold on to the free gift. Somebody gives you a gift you don't pay for, it, and to maintain that free gift that was given to you, you just hold on to it. You don't have to go and do good works. Hey, let me come to you. You're going know, to be like if somebody give me something for a birthday gift, and then three months later I'm going back to them, trying to give them something to say thank you again for what you've done. No, it was a gift. All they want me to do is hold on to the gift. That's how we make our salvation by continuously evidencing faith and christ and what he's done and not leaning upon ourselves not leaning upon our performance but by looking to him amen so the same requirement to obtain salvation again is the same requirement to maintain your salvation faith and faith alone faith and grace is how you came in and faith and grace is how you will stay in so works can never be added in addition to his grace because if works are added then the death of Christ is useless and unprofitable therefore grace is nullified do we realize that tonight that when we begin to tack on works as the means for salvation in order to be able to stay safe to maintain what God has given us we nullify the grace of God We nullify the grace. And let me tell you, my friend, if we don't have grace, we don't have anything. We've got to have a continual flow of grace. And grace is what is given to an undeserving people who don't deserve it and who realizes, Lord, I don't deserve this. But, Lord, I take it by faith. Amen. You see, justification by faith says the work is complete. Justification by work says it's not a complete work. Hence, the word works. Justification by works means that it's not complete. Therefore, I've got to do something else to continue to stay justified before the Lord. You see, works is one that works for a position, but faith guarantees you a position. You're justified by your that is a guaranteed position that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're seated right up there with Him beside of God the Father, amen? But one that is trying to work themselves in means that I'm working for a position, not realizing that you've already got the position in Christ. Why do we say that? Because you were baptized in His death. His death was your death. His burial was your burial. And His resurrection is your resurrection. And His ascension is your ascension. Amen? So you're justified by your faith, not by your works, not by anything that you do. Listen, you can get out of here and do all of the great works that you want to and think that that's what's keeping you justified, but it's not. You're justified by your faith and faith alone. The biggest misconception in the scripture that has always been up for debate is that what they tell me then, well, what about the scripture? Without works, faith. Without works, faith is dead. But really, the translation should have been fruit. Because if you're truly saved and truly justified and you're in Christ, there is going to be fruit that is evidence that you are a follower. There is going to be fruit there that says, hey, I'm following Jesus, that I've got a new master, I've got a new walk, I've got a new talk, and it's all because of him, amen? But we resurrect these silly little laws that aren't really laws in the eyes of God to begin with, and we think that if we do these and we abstain from certain pleasures that we will be more holy and more righteous in the sight of God. I can tell you that growing up, And even my parents like that, they were told you cannot have a TV in the house whatsoever because that was the devil's box. You couldn't wash clothes or hang clothes out on the clothesline on a Sunday because that was considered doing work. Do we realize that? We're thinking that our entrance to heaven or our denial from heaven is all because of a TV box that's set up on the floor in the the house. Are you kidding me? that has nothing to do with my salvation. Me washing clothes on a Sunday has nothing to do with my salvation. I was even told when I was younger as a teenager, go buy your gas for your car on Saturday night because if you go and make a purchase on Sunday, you're breaking the law. Do we get see how silly and how naive and crazy these things are because man thinks that if they do these things, they're re- holy it makes them feel real holy and it makes them feel real righteous because i'm denying myself you couldn't go out to eat on sunday but yet i find it interesting that all of those things that were supposedly wrong 20 and 30 and 40 years ago all of a sudden now those very same people that told me it was wrong now we're all doing it. And I don't throw stones at them, and I pray to God that they're realizing yeah. that the eyes have been opened, that, that the light bulb has come on, that, hey, it's got nothing to do with all of those things. My salvation is not wrapped up in works, it's wrapped up in the man, Christ Jesus, and what he did at Calvary for you and for I. You see, we, again, nothing could be further from the truth because your holiness and your righteousness is not predicated. Upon your performance, but the performance of Christ. You see, we don't we didn't earn it, and we don't maintain righteousness by what you do. Why? Because you already have it. Do you realize that what God demands out of you and I, what He demands out of each and every single person to be right in His eyes is complete and perfection. Completeness, perfection, total righteousness. That's what He demands. And the reason why you and i are righteous is because of the fact that we're in christ and what he demands he has given to us now and because of the righteousness of christ we now can be justified in the eyes of god what does that justifying term mean means declared righteous innocent of all charges you're not just not guilty you're innocent of all charges because there's a big difference between being innocent and being not guilty not guilty means that charges were still brought against you that there just wasn't enough evidence to convict you but innocent means there's been no charges brought against you whatsoever that means that you've got his perfect life do you realize that not only do you have the perfect birth of jesus you've got his perfect life the 33 and a half years that he walked here upon this earth is now yours and there no fault is found Because we know no sin and no fault was found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Paul goes on in verse 16 and and here we find the mention of the words justified as well as the law. But the word justified or justification is a term that is borrowed from the law courts. You see, here we find that in the courtroom you would find a judge, and we know the judge is God, who is handing out a sentence based off of the crimes that has been done and brought against the person accused. And the person accused is you and I, amen? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the original Greek, it means ongoing because we're continuously falling short of the glory of God. That don't mean that we should continue in a life of sin. Paul answered that in Romans chapter six. God forbid. But you and I, it's not a matter of if we fail; it's the matter of when we fail. And we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. And the reason why is because we've still got that sin nature. That us and sometimes it wants to resurrect this ugly little head but thanks be to god that one day when we get to heaven we're going to get the final installment of our salvation but we're not going to be, have to be bothered with the sin nature anymore because we're going to have our glorified bodies that is absent of the sin nature and is of the spirit so you and i again we fall in this category and we continuously come in short so if we're standing in the courtroom there was you and i There with all the crimes that we have done and the sentence that you and I deserve, which is death, and the only way to escape this sentence and to be set free from this crime was to have one who would represent us and plead our case before the judge to free us of the charges that was brought against us. It's no different than the courtroom today. A person that is there that is accused of crimes, what do they do? They get a lawyer to represent them. If they can't afford a lawyer, then guess what? The courts appoint them a lawyer. Well, what does the person do who has been accused of committing a crime? They don't open their mouth whatsoever, do they? It's because... The one that is there representing them is doing all of the acting, doing all of the pleading upon the person's behalf. They're sitting there knowing good and well that they're guilty, knowing good and well in what they've done, but they're trusting in the performance of the lawyer to get them off of the charges to get them free of the sentence that was set forth. Do you realize that you didn't even have enough money to get a lawyer, but God, the judge, appointed you a lawyer, Jesus Christ, and there he pleaded his your case for you, and he said, I have went to Calvary, I've done the work, Father, and now they are mine, and therefore the judge can now look at you and I and say, sentence is over, you can go free. No longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. You see, the lawyer does all the work, acts upon our behalf. And there, there we are made free because of what he's done. Amen. You see, God's justifying process is an act of God all alone, which declares sinners to be righteous solely through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, if you stand in the courtroom before God and begin to bring up works, if you begin to bring up works as a means to rid you of your sin, then guess what? Guilty charge. You don't sit there in the courtroom and begin to plead your case and try to do what only the lawyer can do. And let me tell you something else, you don't bring in character witnesses either that tries to plead your case. You sit there, you keep your mouth shut, and you place your trust in the lawyer, amen? And Jesus Christ is the one who done all of the work for you and I. You don't have to plead your case. Lord, I'm a sinner, be merciful unto me. And that right there frees you from the sentence that was put on you, which is death amen hebrews 9 22 says and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission there has to be a shedding of blood for us to be forgiven of our sins see again the law did what it was supposed to do which is to point out our sin and to show us our weakness which in return should cause us to throw ourselves down at the mercies of god You see, the sacrificial system within the Old Testament was introduced and and an animal there without blemish would be sacrificed and the blood would be poured out on the altar for the forgiveness of sin. And we were discussing it in Bible study uh, on Friday up in Denver that many times undoubtedly they would get an animal. And it would have to be inspected. And if there was any blemishes or any faults, whatever, it would have to be tossed to the side and another animal would be chosen. And it is probably no doubt in my mind that at many times they would have to slit the throat and check for blemishes. No, no doubt 10, 20, 30. You never know how many animals that had to be killed because if there was one blemish, if there was one wrong thing with it, it couldn't be used. And the reason why is because those sacrifices to the lamb of God who would come to take away the sin of the world do you realize that his 33 and a half years upon this world, upon this earth that he walked his life was inspected to the, to the degree that you and I cannot even imagine but yet no sin was found in him It's hard because we know that we can't even go an hour without sometimes thinking a mean thought. We know within ourselves that we can't go without a day like that without falling short of his glory in some way. But not in deed, not in thought, not in action whatsoever in the life of Jesus Christ for 33 and a half years did he come up short in any way. Because had he to come up short, then you and I would have no hope tonight. But he atoned for all sin because he was the perfect sacrifice amen hebrews 10 and 4 says for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin you see the shedding of these animals was to act as a stopgap measure if you will but again was never sufficient to take away the sin of man but when jesus christ came and john the baptist said in the greatest statement behold look here The Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. He didn't say to cover the sin. He said to take away the sin of the world. Jesus. Only Jesus. Amen. You see, works could and and can never justify a man. Our salvation and the act of us being justified starts with God. It's worked by God and it ends with God. Because there's nothing inside of you and I that can produce what he demands because what he demands is total and complete righteousness. But the problem is, is that man resists this plan. Man cannot admit that there's nothing that is inherently good about them that can obtain what is needed to be able to get to heaven. That's what's so wrong with psychology and all of these different that is going on because they say that man is inherently good. But that the reason why there's problems within their life is because of lack of education or because of the environment or because of their upraising. Listen, it has nothing to do with all of those things. Man's problem is sin. And the only remedy and the only solution for the problem is the blood of Jesus Christ. But man again don't want to loathe himself. They feel that they can work their way in they try to look at life as the scales of justice if you will if i do more good it will outweigh my bad and therefore god will not see my bad because he sees all that i've done listen that has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever live a hundred years on this life and never commit but one sin and it's enough to eternally damn us to hell Because we have got to be perfect. We've got to be without sin. And the only way that one can be without sin and have eternal life and be justified in the eyes of God, again, is to be righteous. And the only way we can have that righteousness and the only way that we are made righteous and holy is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? But again, he he demands obedience to his way of salvation. And if you look at the word obedience, there's nine letters. And right smack dab in the middle of obedience is the word die. Is the word die. You've got to die to self in order to be, you've got to be obedient to the Lord's way of salvation. And right smack dab in the middle of that word is die because you've got to die you've got to die but man don't want to die man don't want to realize that there's nothing good that they can produce whatsoever they want to get up and they want to do something because they don't want to go the way of the cross but he said i am the way i am the truth and i am the life and no man comes to the father but by me why is it why is it, man, where it's so simple that if you'll just accept Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life? And it goes back to the fact again that man don't want to believe that that's the only way. They don't want to give up their life for his life, amen? So when you came to Christ, you came to Him with all of your sins, with all of your iniquities, with all of your failures, with all of your filth, and in return, what did He give you? He gave you Perfection. He gave you righteousness. He gave you holiness. You talk about a trade-in of all trade-ins. You and I got the better end of the deal, amen? You gave him all of your sin, all of your iniquities. You gave him all of your junk. You gave him all of your trash. You gave him all of your garbage. Lord, I've got nothing but this. And he said, that's all right. I'm going to in return, give you my perfection. I'm going to give you my holiness. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm giving you my perfect life. I'm giving you all of this so that you can go and be with me for all of eternity one day. It's hard to imagine that. It's hard to think that I have nothing whatsoever that is good about me and Lord you would take this you would take uh, this is all I have to give Lord. It's garbage it's filled. That's okay my child that's all I need you to do. Come on to me because I've done what you need and I'm going to give it to you. Give me all of your problems. Give me your chains. Give me all of your bondage and I will in turn give you eternal life and on top of that I'm going to set you free from every bondage and every chain so that now you can go and walk free. From the bondage of sin. You don't have to be underneath the dominion of the sin nature anymore. He has set you free. Paul said it in Romans 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you. And let me tell you something. There's no power within you. There's no power within me, within ourselves that can do that. But it took Holy Ghost power that is living inside of you and I. That can now help us to be able to walk free from the dominion. The domination of sin. Amen. You see Romans 1, 16, 17 says for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein. What's the therein? It's the cross. In the cross is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. Therein, in the cross of Christ, is the righteousness of God that He demands that He will give to you, and therefore we receive it by coming to the cross and we come to the cross by denying ourselves, taking up what he's done and now that we have received it revealed from faith, him the justifier to faith which is us the justified and now that we are justified we shall live by faith. Live by faith. Nowhere within this scripture do I see the word works. Faith. Faith of the son of the living God who loved you And who died for you, amen? Only in the cross and exclusive faith in what Christ did for you, me and the entirety of the world, can one receive the righteousness that is demanded and needed in order to be justified and accepted. Only found in Him. You see, God loved us so much that He made a way of escape. And that way of escape was determined before the foundations of the world. It's not by works your way of escape. Your way of escape is not by self-performance, but your way of escape is by a person, the person of Christ. Amen. Think of it this way. Stacy and I I had Jeremiah, of course. And of course, my mother then became a grandmother. But Stacy and I, we conceived a child. Stacy carried the child. Stacy delivered the child. Stacy did all of the work. My mom became a grandmother through not doing any works of her own. Stacy did all the work to conceive the child, carry the child, birth the child, did all of the work, but yet my mom, in return, now becomes a grandmother, not because she did any work at all, but because all of the work was done by Stacy. Do we get that? You didn't do any works whatsoever. Jesus did all of the work himself there on Calvary's cross. He lived the life, he did it all and now you and I are heirs of righteousness because he did all of the work. Romans 3:24 through 26. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus the only way that God could justify you and I who were sinners by nature is through what Christ did at Calvary's cross because God can never justify sin he can never justify sinners because again we fall short of his glory if God went around justifying sinners based off of their works then he wouldn't be God he would cease to be holy but the way that he can justify us is because of what Christ did and our faith in that. Amen? So again, our justification does not wait until we are perfect, but it is given to us while we are sinners. And How is this possible? Because of the fact that we've been washed in the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Sinners plunge beneath the flow, lose all their guilty stains. All your guilty stains were lost when you were plunged up underneath the blood of Jesus. But you know what works will do? Works will cause spiritual blindness. Works will cause a person to see themselves not truly for who they really are. And it will blind them to see that they are sinners and that there's nothing that they can do. And that it is only upon the merit of Christ that they can receive this righteousness that is demanded. One's knowledge of God's provision plan is not what saves them, but it's rather God who saves them. You can have all of the knowledge all you want to. You can know the Bible from the front to the back. You can say it's by grace and faith. You can say, repeat John 3, 16. You can repeat Romans 10 that tell us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have all of this knowledge all you want to, but until you begin to apply what you know, and the way you apply it is by, then the knowledge does you no good whatsoever i heard about it for years that god would save sinners i heard about it for years that he justified those that were unworthy but until i applied it and truly believed it i can never receive the grace that he had to offer to give to me hebrews 11 and 4 says that by faith abel offered unto god a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Again, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice that was brought, if it was accepted, then that meant the one who was bringing the sacrifice was accepted as well. Your life, the person's life who was bringing the sacrifice, was never inspected because if they were, guess what? Going to fall short. It was the sacrifice that they brought and their faith in that. And if the sacrifice was accepted, then automatically the one bringing the sacrifice was accepted too. So what does that tell us? It had nothing to do with the performance of that person and even how they were living because they don't stand a chance. But it was because of the sacrifice. You brought the sacrifice of God, Jesus Christ, the provision. And because he accepts that as the only means of salvation, that now means he can accept you. Because you bring the right sacrifice. Paul was aggravated and frustrated because Peter, along with Barnabas, who was was turning their back to law as being a requirement to maintain salvation, and Paul was saying, wait a minute, you've got it all wrong. No man is justified by works of the law, but only by faith in Christ Jesus and him alone. And within this verse 16, you will see three mentions of either justified or justification. Stressing the point, making it known that it has nothing to do with law whatsoever. It has nothing to do with your works whatsoever, but it is by faith in Christ and uh, that alone. They looked at the law as a means to be able to stay saved. And again, I said earlier that the law did what? It revealed sin. It pointed out sin. Years ago, about nine or ten years ago, I had my gallbladder removed. And I was in extreme pain before I ever even knew that I had a problem. And the very first thing that the doctor told me to do when I went to him, not knowing what the problem was, was said, you go see a technician to do an ultrasound. And in that ultrasound that was done, it was then revealed that I had gallstones. The problem was revealed by the initial scan that said, hey, this is the problem. This is what's causing him extreme pain. This is what's causing him to feel like he's going to die. And everybody knows that men cannot tolerate pain. Ask Stacy, she'll tell you all about it. I get a little bit of cramp and I think I'm dying. <laughs> I couldn't stand the pain. And once the results came back and it revealed what it was, then what I was to do was to go on and rectify and remedy the problem. It would have done me no good to keep going back to the scan. Do you get what I'm saying here? It does no good to keep going back to the scan. I could have kept going back to the scan over and over and over again, but guess what? I would not have been healed of this problem that I had. So what I had to do was go to a surgeon for him to perform a procedure to pull out what was causing me problems. The law revealed your problem and showed you that you was a sinner and you needed some surgery to take place. It was called a heart transplant, amen? So you went to Jesus Christ and said, hey, I've got a problem. And he said, that's okay because I've got the solution and it's my blood. It's blood. The law don't do anything for you. It does what it's intended to do and it's still there. It reveals sin. It identifies the problem, but it doesn't rectify the problem at all. Amen. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the grace of God that saves us. The faith that you and I exhibit is the channel by which the grace of God can flow to you and I. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift implies that there is no works whatsoever that you are to do. You don't earn a gift. A gift is a gift. You don't do anything to get it. You just simply give the gift. I love you. I bought you something. I want to give this to you. That's it we would take the gift. It wouldn't be a gift. You wouldn't like it if somebody turned around and pulled out their wallet and handed to you a monetary value upon what you give them. It would offend you, right? So when we go before the Lord and we try to now maintain this precious gift, this wonderful gift that he has given with us by our works, we're offending God because we're saying that... The of christ was not enough either the blood of jesus and i've said it before and i'll say it again atoned for all sin or it didn't atone for all sin you see faith is the pipeline the conduit for god's saving grace to flow into you it's that conduit that pipeline that flows from heaven and where does it flow not here but it flows straight into your heart you see it's like a pipe that is in the sink and when it gets clogged up with women's hair Can I get an amen, David? When it gets clogged up with women's hair, when it gets clogged up with all that junk, and water begins to be poured, and if that is clogged up, then guess what? The water can't flow through the pipes like it's supposed to do. And so therefore, something's got to be poured in to get rid of that gook. Listen, your heart was filled with gook. It was filled with And the goodness of God was not able to flow into you because all of that junk had to first go. So when you got saved and you repented of all of your sins, the blood of Jesus washed you clean, thoroughly clean, took them all away, and now that goodness of God, that grace now flows into you on a continual basis from heaven straight into your heart. Amen. you got to understand the size of the pipeline as I said, faith is has nothing to do with it. The pipeline just needs to be big enough to let the light shine through. Amen. The pipe has. That, listen, people say, "Well, you got to have more faith." Listen, it don't matter the size of the pipe. It just needs to be big enough to let the light shine through, to shine into that darkness. That is within our heart. Amen. As recipients of his grace, we are to now rest in his finished work and trust. We got to trust that what he did at Calvary is enough. The problem is that we feel that we got to do something in addition to his finished work to maintain what God has given to us. And that right there is what we battle each and every single day that we feel that we've got to do something to show God our appreciation. You know what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please him? You want to show your appreciation? to evidence that faith on a continual basis. Lord, I thank you for what you did for me at Calvary 2,000 years ago. I've been saved 10 years. I've been saved 20 years. I've been saved 50 years. But praise be to God that that same blood that came to me and that grace that flowed to me all the many years ago, I still need that grace. I'm still depending upon that work at Calvary to continue to keep me saved. Amen. Justification by faith says that it is a complete work. Justification by works says it's not a complete work. Amen. Works, again, is fighting for a position where faith guarantees you a position because he's already fought to get you there. You see, the reality of it is that if we seek to be justified by the law, then what we are doing is nullifying his justification because he can only be the justifier of the one who throws himself down at the foot of the cross, believes that it was a completed work there done for them at Calvary, to be saved, and to be whole. If you spend your life trying to be justified by works, then it will cause us not to have joy, not to have victory, or any other benefits from Calvary that Christ has died to give us. It's by faith and faith alone in what He has done. You see, faith in Christ and His finished work alone is what has secured our eternity with Him as well that has made us a temple for the Holy Spirit to reside in, which again only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us habitable to where he can now live and move inside of us. By faith and faith alone are we justified, and by faith and faith alone, through what he did at Calvary, is the way we stay justified. And the Bible says in Second Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the Spirit of the Lord can dwell inside of you and I because of the blood of Jesus Christ that's been applied to the mercy seat that has taken away all of our sins and that Spirit now lives within inside of us. I'm free from my bondage. I'm free from my sin. And now free to live a holy life. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. There's not, listen, we've got to always remember this, and I know it seems like sometimes we've heard these things, but it ever bears repeating, and it ever bears that we be reminded of this because we've got new people that's coming in online, and, and again, people's brains almost, we got to be rewired sometimes and understand that it has nothing to do with us whatsoever, but it's by him and him alone. Amen. How many of you are thankful tonight for what he did for you at Calvary? 2,000 years ago, knowing that it was none, nothing of you and all of him. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your word. Lord, we just lift up our praises unto you right now. Lord, we lift up our hearts unto you right now. Lord, how could you have been so wonderful to us and so good to us, Lord? We'll never truly know. But, Lord, your love, God, loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son into this world, died for us, took our place so that we now could be free, that we now could have eternal life, that we can be with you one day forever and forever. Lord, we thank you. you Lord that we're not justified by anything that we do but that we're justified by our faith in what has already been done. God I pray Lord that we would never leave the cross. Lord that we would never leave the foundation Lord of where it has all been founded upon Lord and that is your finished work at Calvary. Lord we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed us from all of our sin that has purchased everything that it is that we need. Lord that has set us free Lord from the domination of the sin nature Lord that now Lord we can be free lord we thank you tonight lord we give you praise lord for what you've done lord continue to help us to look to you each and every single day lord to your finished work on calvary lord and knowing lord that all has been done for us and to continue to live this life that you've called us to live by faith and by faith alone lord we love you and we praise you tonight for all that you've done in jesus christ and everyone said Amen and amen. Thank you for being here uh, tonight with us. Remember, uh, Wednesday night service Bible study at 7 p.m. Again, Sunday morning at 10.30 1030 a.m. Remember the men's and women's meeting coming up at the end of the month, uh, the uh, appreciation breakfast on June 27th for our first responders, as well as VBS that's coming up at the end of July. Yes, sir no no prayer meeting this week no prayer meeting this week that's right so Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. amen we love each and every one of you thank you for those if you're watching online that came this morning there's anything you need or you haven't been here before don't hesitate to reach out to us and and we're looking forward to seeing you again and meeting new faces amen we love each and every one of you be blessed